It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Alec trying to steer around, picked off, centered, he scores! Feather back over to Manny, splits the defense, he's shot, he scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington, behind collision, VL, centering feed, they score! This is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the NHL San Jose Sharks. Before the American Hockey League went on suspension due to the COVID-19 outbreak, we sat down with Barracuda forward Anthony Greco. Greco was acquired from the Tampa Bay Lightning along with a first-round pick right before the train deadline in exchange for forward Barkley Goodrow and a third-rounder from San Jose. Both myself and my co-host Joey Goldstein got an opportunity to sit down with Greco to talk about his new surroundings and about his career to this point. Welcome back. We're pleased to be joined by one of the newest members of the San Jose Barracuda, Ford Anthony Greco. Grex, uh, first of all, we appreciate you uh, taking a little bit of time to join us here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been pretty funny since you've been here. It feels like um, you know we've thrown thrown a lot of a lot of media your way. You've uh, you've uh, dealt with it uh, quite well, but uh, we've interviewed you ice level. Joey got you, I think. Uh, we did a couple different uh, pregame things, and now we got you on the podcast. But um, you know, first question, just how how are you? adjusting to a, to a new surroundings, a new division, um, a new city. Um, how are things going for you? It's been good. I mean, it's been, it's definitely different. And, uh, but, uh, like I said, since the beginning, the weather's great and it's nice to be kind of in an area where there's things going on and stuff. So, but yeah, the, the group of guys, young group, and it's been uh, a lot of fun to be around them and feel their kind of, uh, excitement every day. And, uh, yeah, just get accustomed to being somewhere new. Let's just backtrack quickly. About a week before you came to San Jose, you had been part of another trade. Of course, you were part of the Panthers organization for the first few years of your career. And then all of a sudden you get traded to the Tampa organization. You're playing against your former team in Springfield and now a member of the Syracuse Crunch. And then a few days after that, you're here in San Jose. Just kind of give us the, the, the rundown on that five-day stretch for you being traded twice in the first trade I'm sure was uh, a little bit of an adjustment and then of course you get traded again but that first one I'm sure is always always a big change for you yeah and just talking to people I, th- I think just that the first time you know being so accustomed to being in the same place for so long and you know knowing everybody in the city it felt like and within the organization and kind of being comfortable around those people to get kind of thrown into something brand new and um in Syracuse and you know trying to get my feet under me there and and then to kind of flip uh again over to here was I think it was easier the second time around I think it's easier when it's a younger group of guys too being a little bit older and a little bit more experienced than than some of the other guys it's you know going into Syracuse they had a lot of older guys and guys that have 
played a, a decent amount in the American League, and so it was it was definitely a, a little bit more eerie, I guess, going into Syracuse than you know. I think at the 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 time I got moved here, I was just like I had enough at that point, so I was just like, let's go do it, and. I was excited and excited to get out here and, and be a part of this. I feel like a lot of guys say that where it's, if they've been traded, you know, a couple of times, it's always the second time is always easier than the first time because it's just a, such a, a shock. I mean, did you have, coming from Syracuse, did you have any idea that this, you'd potentially get moved again? Like, was that anything that floated by you or is it, was that I a surprise? I was the last guy on Monday, that trade deadline day to get traded. I, I thought it was... You know, I'd gotten moved, and that was it, and that was done. It felt like it was, you know, being in the floor organization and for that long, and to kind of to get moved. It was, it was like, okay, it happened, it's done. And then, you know, I actually, I saw the trade come up on Monday. I was actually at the rink in in Syracuse and saw it happen. It wasn't, and I, I didn't know it was Barclay Goudreau. I think that got moved over to Tampa Bay and. It didn't say any, anything in return, and I think it was about an hour and a half to two hours later that I got a call, and they were like, "Yeah, hey, we just moved you to San Jose. I was like, oh, geez. Oh, there, here we go again. So who was the one who called you from Tampa Bay? How, how were you informed? It was the assistant GM in, in Tampa Bay, the, um, the GM for Syracuse. He had called, and I, I thought it was something to do with housing and, and moving out of the hotel, and he's like, yeah, we just moved you to San Jose. I was like, okay. And then I'm assuming, I'm assuming Joe Will um, gave you a call from that point, or who from the organization here with the Sharks org uh, gave you a call? Yeah, Joe Will, and he called me, and uh, yeah, it was like I said, it was kind of a whirlwind. It was I had talked to so many people, and I, I didn't even get everybody's name in Syracuse at that point. I, I didn't know really who was who uh, uh, in that organization. And then I started getting phone calls. I, I probably have about. 20 to 30 text messages from random numbers that that have reached out from Syracuse and San Jose so um yeah it was it was a bit crazy there for that that week let's quickly uh, let's go back in your careers we'll kind of just start uh, from the start you're, you're a guy who grew up uh, in Queens correct and you know not the largest I would say of, of hockey beds in terms of players coming out of that area um just walk us through your process through that youth hockey program. Eventually, you get to the USHL and you go the college route. Um, within the organization, we have another New York guy in Kevin LeBanc, and he took a different route. He went to the CHL route, ended up playing in the OHL. So, you know, how was it growing up in, in that uh, part of the country, and how were you introduced to the game and, and eventually working your way to Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, it was it's kind of a, a really long story, and I've been pretty nomadic, you know. I, I grew up actually in Massapequa Park in Long Island and um, did the youth hockey with the Long Island Royals there for a long time. And I think right around eighth grade, 12 years old, I ended up going to Shattuck St. Mary's in Minnesota. So I moved out there by myself and then my family ended up falling a couple of years later and ended up going there until my junior, senior high school, I ended up going to uh, the USHL for my senior high school, then a year after, then, um, and then moving on to Ohio State. And so it's kind of been, uh, I've never stayed in, in the same place for, for too long. And it's just kind of the way it worked out. And it's funny, you know, just talking to people, I, I don't have, it seems like a hometown, you know, it's, I grew up in Long Island and didn't have, you know, I don't think I was there long enough to really make 
you know, close friends. I, I have a few there still, but very few. And then moving to Minnesota to prep school, you know, everybody's coming from different areas and you're staying there and, and boarding there. So then my family moving out there. It's so I never, it's not like I went back to New York and continued, you know, having friendship or growing friendships with people. And then, uh, and then going to Ohio state and, or the USHL, then Ohio state. So it's, I've kind of bounced around and, and never stayed in one place for too long to kind of, so I kind of been, uh, on my own, so to speak for, for a long time and kind of had to, uh, I've had to figure it out, uh, on my own type of thing. So my next question would be, how do you end up at uh, Shattuck? It's one of the premier, uh, prep school, high school hockey programs in the world of hockey. Um, how'd you end up uh, getting to Shattuck? How'd they find you out in Long Island? It was, it was one of those things where as I started to get a little bit older and, and, you know, traveling with the Royals in Long Island, going to different tournaments and stuff and seeing, you know, other teams and kind of other, uh, organizations across the U S you know, playing USA hockey. It's, I felt like I needed to get out of New York. I think it was better for me to get out. And so we started looking at, you know, New England prep schools and, um, but Shattuck always sort of stuck out with, you know, their reputation and, you know, guys that have gone there in the past and actually ended up meeting Zach Parisi's dad, JP Parisi, who was there at the time and, um, at a tournament with the Royals in Canada. So, he and we kind of expressed interest that we wanted to go there and ended up kind of meeting up with him and um ended up getting pretty close with him over the years and um yeah he he kind of took an interest in me and it, it worked out and was fortunate enough to go there for uh, a few years and it was some of my best friends guys that I met there so it was uh it was a good experience for me it was a good learning experience for me especially and um yeah, kind of kickstarted everything, I guess. Well, just, I mean, Joe, you, you, you can uh, get the next question. Just, I mean, I'm sure quickly, you know, you look at the alumni that have played there. Of course, you know, Jonathan Taves, Zach Parisi, as you alluded to, of course, Sidney Crosby. So uh, the alumni list is uh, pretty lengthy. When you got there, did you think, you know, maybe I do have a chance to, you know, get to the higher level, get to NCAA hockey, eventually be a pro. It was that kind of the first kind of step to, to your journey as a, a professional hockey player? For sure. I mean, like you said, there's a ton of guys that have been through there. And um, I was a very small, small uh, kid going in there from probably my whole time there. I don't think I was... I think I always believed that I could, and I don't think it was necessarily you know, on other people's radars, so to speak. But I think, uh, you know, my goal, it's always, you know, the next year, the next year type of thing. And, um, I just wanted to make the, the AAA teams there and play f in USA hockey, play for, you know, national championships, so to speak. And, um, but yeah, I think having those guys around, especially in summer and, and getting to meet a lot of, uh, pros i guess and and being around those guys really benefited me and and teaching me you know what it was going to take and and what it was supposed to look like and so i it was i was fortunate enough to be around that and and uh stay around that for a pretty long time and um yeah i think it definitely helped i'm always interested in guys who went the college route 
finding out, you know, how they got, how did you choose Ohio State? Were there other schools in the mix? Like, how did you end up, you know, being a Buckeye? It was funny. Like, I think for me, I'm pretty loyal. So it was, they were sort of the first school that, uh, there was other schools that showed interest, but they showed the most interest from the beginning. And um, I kind of had a a pretty good year, my second year in the USHL. And that's when it started to get more, um, extensive I guess with going on visits and stuff but they showed the most interest and you know I kind of visited and um I wasn't like completely blown away by the place or anything like that I I thought it was a great city and I thought it was a great school and I wanted to be in a big school with a lot of people and um but it was sort of one of those I went on the visit and they were like you know we're gonna offer you a, f- a full ride to come here and i was like oh, that sounds good <laughs> well, for me right <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so what was it like playing collegiate hockey at a school like ohio state where of course football is king and everybody you know loves loves football there in that program um but hockey's pretty good pretty big in, in that region obviously the country too but what was it like playing there what, what was the support from the student body um you know what was the overall experience I kind of get the best of both worlds because my first year we were still a part of the CCHA. Uh, it was the last year of the CCHA before it moved over to the Big Ten, and um, so getting to play, you know, in the CCHA, you know, playoffs, and I, we had a playoff series my freshman year in our practice rink. So kind of it was a tiny little, like almost like a youth hockey rink. Um, so getting to experience that and those rivalries first, and we ended up uh, losing to Notre Dame at the CCHA playoffs that year, um, which we would have needed to win to get to um, the NCAA tournament. But we never made the NCAA tournament while I was there. I think the program was still kind of in transition. Um, but some of the players that we had there, you know, Ryan Dezingle with the Hurricanes and Tanner Fritz with uh, the Islanders organization and guys like Max McCormick and Nick Schilke and those guys um we always had a good group of players I think it it kind of started to take off funny enough when we all kind of left and uh but yeah they're in a, a really good place now and they've you know made a lot of noise in the last few years you know reaching the frozen four and stuff like that so um it wasn't huge when I was there, you know, as far as, like you said, football is always going to rule there. Football is always going to be number one. But, um, you know, games against Michigan, I, you know, I remember playing Mike Downing and at Michigan, those were always huge games. And um, once the Big Ten kind of started, that's when it, it, it got a lot of fun and going to the XL Energy Center for playoffs for the Big Ten tournament and stuff like that. And it was it was a great experience for me. Uh, also, uh, another place where I met some of my closest friends, and you know we had a blast. It's a big school, and uh, so we had a, a lot of good times. You play against Michael Downey, you play against Michael Chase on when they're at Michigan. I mean, have you guys since you've come in? Have you guys you know talk rivalry at all? You, you talk a little smack to each other? Not really. I mean, I I started my pro career with Mike in, in with Florida and. Um, I, I got a, I remember Mike Downing slashed me in the elbow so hard I needed stitches when we <laughs> played once. To, so I kind of give it to him about that a little bit. But I think every year we, you know, we've made uh, kind of little bets, I guess, uh, with, you know, when Ohio State plays Michigan in basketball or football or hockey. So um, 
they've taken a couple of pictures of Mike and Ohio State equipment. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, if you bet money, you could be a rich man at this. <laughs> yeah, right. Shot, shot at the Michigan yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, the way the football uh, rivalry has gone over the last decade or so. We'd again like to thank Anthony for joining us a few weeks back. We'll play part two of our sit-down conversation with the Barracuda Forward coming up next Tuesday. We do want to say before we sign off from this week's episode, as we continue to forge forward through these uncertain times, we do want you to know that we are thinking about everybody and praying for everybody's health and well-being. We also remind you to continue to wash your hands, avoid touching your face, avoid being around large groups, and continue to follow quarantine restrictions. For now, we say so long, and we will talk to everybody next week.